When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Performance Anxiety. In this episode, we talk with Annette Zelenskis. She's played bass for the Bangles, sang for Ringling Sisters and Blood on the Saddle. She's acted and performed spoken word and was the original singer for Medicine. Now Annette has reunited with Brad Lehner for the new Medicine album of cover songs. Pick that up on Bandcamp or wherever you download music. Follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy this conversation with Annette Zelenskis. Okay, hey, this is Annette of Medicine and the Bangles, Ringling Sisters, Blood on the Saddle, and you are listening to Performance Anxiety. All right, so how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I got a little bit of a cold, so. Me too, actually. Okay, uh going around so yeah apparently across the entire country <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, thank Hope you you didn't catch it for me oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's one of those uh dm colds um, yeah thank you so much for joining me today it's uh it, it's funny because i had brad laner on not too long ago i mm-hmm. afterwards you know we had a really nice conversation and uh, I, I said, hey, you know, if you know anybody else who might be interested in, in coming on the show, let me know, because I'm always looking for new people to talk to. And first thing, said, you got to talk to Annette. Okay. Uh-huh. No problem. Help me get up with her. <laughs> Thank you, Brad Laner. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was doing my research. You used to be, and you, and you well, all right, we'll, we'll kind of come back. I want to go kind of chronologically, but we, I, I do tend to bounce back and forth a little bit. But as far as your careers, you you professionally started playing bass with the Bengals. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Now, how yeah. did you how did you start with music? Uh, how did you get to the point where you were playing with the Bengals? Did you were you playing as a kid? Were you were your was your no, family musical just at all? Totally weird luck, um, nonlinear fashion, typical me things. Um, <laughs> I I was a teenager actually, and and I just wanted to perform really badly, and and um, I was singing in the closet, in the shower, whatever you know, and just really had the bug bad, and and um, and I was looking in this weekly newspaper called the recycler um oh, yeah. which is like a classify yeah classified paper before craigslist right. and um <laughs> and all those and, murders you know yeah and um and uh and, and i responded to that that Susanna hoffs had placed and uh even though i was really mostly singing she said hey we're looking for a bass player is that something you might be interested in and i said sure and wow. I had never picked up the bass before ever. Oh, you wow. looked at a bass, and 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 um, and so I 
got a bass and learned how to play. Oh my god! Real quick. And at that <laughs> at that point, they were still called the Bangs, right? Uh, well, the band hadn't even really formed yet, but oh, yeah, wow. the, so the, the, the were, girls they weren't even the Bangs. They just they were nothing. Yeah, it was, it was the Colors for a minute. Oh my god! And then from the Colors turned into the Bangs, and then the Bangs because there was another band out there with that name changed it to the Bangles. Okay, okay. And so you uh, you answered an ad, and then you, you end up recording with them on their very first EP, the five-track EP, before anything really exploded for the band. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's correct. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I, I saw some, uh, some videos of you guys in the early, early, early days. Uh-huh. And uh, you guys record so the the EP includes uh, four original songs and a cover uh, from the New Zealand band the Lottie Dogs called "How Is the Air Up There." When you the original songs, is that something that you all worked on together, like the band writing the whole thing, or or did like you come in with music and or Susanna come in with music, or was it all the, the whole band as as a unit? Uh, well, as far as choosing, do you mean the originals? Yes, we all kind of. Okay, yeah. So the originals we all sort of contributed to. Yes. Okay, and how did you, uh, how did y'all decide on uh? A cover from a, a band by New Zealand, a band from New okay. Zealand. Okay, that was uh, I don't know how I was I can't remember, but it, we were always were fans of, of um, '60s music, and I think that came up through Vicky and uh, and Sue, I believe. Okay. But um, yeah, yeah, I can't really remember how we <laughs> came up with that, but yeah. Well, it's an interesting pick because it's. It's not a, you know, a really popular band. I've, I don't think, besides your version, I don't think I've ever heard that song before. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, my somebody's knocking at the door. I think. Can Can you hold on yeah. half a second? I'm yeah, sorry. sure. Sorry. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Uh, oh, no hopefully you can edit all that out. <laughs> no problem. Um, okay, so we're we're. Uh, oh, I asked you about the cover. It was a, uh, it was an interesting choice because. I'd never heard that song before, before your your cover version. Mm-hmm. So, I, is that a song that everybody knew, or was it something that no. somebody just said, "Hey, I love this song. Let's learn it." Again, I can't really remember. It was just brought to the table. No, not everybody knew it. I, again, I, I think it was either Vicky or Sue who brought up the idea of it, and then we learned it. So, yeah, no, not everybody was aware of it. And I saw. Mm-hmm. I saw, I saw um, and if you go on YouTube and, and you look up the bangles from that time period, I saw a, a video of you guys on an MTV show called The Cutting Edge. Uh, you're over oh, all you're asking middle- me all these really obscure things <laughs> I barely remember. Uh, <laughs> I was 18. Uh, wow. Okay, so, okay. I was come in, on. <laughs> it was, you guys were all on a miniature golf course, and it looked like the show was hosted by Potsy from Happy Days. 
It was really. Uh, I'm sorry. From who? Pot- Jeffrey Valance, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but he looked like Potsy from Happy Days. It was very. It, it's very of that period. It's it's really interesting to to. See yeah, he's a pretty well known artist. Yeah, he was a very um, very very great artist. Jeffrey Valance who hosted it. Yeah, and his his artwork was sort of. I don't know. I guess it was sort of. I don't know if it was fifties, really. Was it? It, it? Super pop art. Oh yeah. Jeffrey Valance was very pop art. Let's just say that. Yeah. He's he's great. And then you decided to leave the Bangles before they they started recording the the debut. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. And what 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 was the reason for the departure? It's various. It's complex. <laughs> <laughs> Very complex. And, okay. And uh, you started doing a little acting and and playing with some other bands. Um, you you played with the Weatherbell, um, Blood on the Saddle. Uh, so did you? Go- yeah, Blood on the Saddle happened. Uh, I was in Blood in the Saddle sort of simultaneously, and um, okay, and so I was focusing on uh, Blood in the Saddle, who at the time was on SSG New Alliance uh, uh, record label, which was uh, Dennis DeBoons from Minutemen's label. Right, right, yeah, and yeah. And so uh, it's a very strong, um, strong scene happening uh, coming up, uh, and, and we we were part of that. Uh, Sort of indie world and 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 uh, toured quite a bit. That was a very big part of their ethos was tour. And uh, yeah, so that, that was for, for about four years, I guess, something like that. And it was a very different sound from the Bangles. And it was, it was, I guess, it was considered was it cow punk? Was it? Is that what they, it was called? Yeah, that's what they called it. We never loved that name, but whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, I can understand. Yeah, before, before uh, when I. Even before I joined the Bangs, uh, I was singing, and I was singing country music, real, real country music, like you know, stuff my mother was listening to: George Jones, Tammy Wynette, John Cash. Oh, cool! You know, the good um, stuff. Yeah, yeah, the the, the, re- the real deal. Linda Ronstadt was huge. Jimmy Lee Harris, God, the list goes on. Uh, uh, Patsy Cline, because yeah, not as much though, oh, really? actually. But but okay. Linda Ronstadt was huge, and all. A lot of the seventies um, golden age of country, you know, in sixties. Uh, so that's kind of what I was raised on, and, and folk music. So I uh, was singing that, and uh, so playing with Blood and the Saddle wasn't really that big of a stretch because it was definitely, you know, jacked up Americana music. So good. I, I've gone back and, and listened to a lot of it, and I tell you, it, it's Greg Davis is the guitarist, right? Man, he can flat out play. He's fast. Yeah, he's fast. We like bluegrass music, so in a way, that was our interpretation of bluegrass. That's interesting. Uh, that's you know, that makes a lot of sense. The Ramones, you know what I mean? Like kind of, yeah, our interpretation of of, of, of bluegrass, uh, but still fast, as you know, bluegrass is. Super fast. So. Yeah. Okay. That that makes a mm-hmm. lot of sense now. 
and it's it's really the vocals are beautiful. It's it's so it's so different from the stuff that I was listening to back then at the time, and it's uh, it's even even for what I listen to now. But it's I like it a lot. I'm I'm going back and and starting to to really get into Blood on the Saddle. All right, thank you so much. That's awesome. Was the band named after the movie Blood on the Saddle? No, uh, it was probably more in tip the hat to the album by Tex Ritter. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) And is that the time you started doing a little acting as well? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh Around that time. Yeah. (laughs) To have you listed as, um, I'm not great with dates. I'm terrible with dates. So that's why I'm like, yeah, that's about right. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I'll take you. And that era. And that, and and that, yeah. So you were in a, band, uh, an evil punk rock band called the She-Devils in the uh, movie Desperate Teenage Love Dolls. Oh, uh, no. I wasn't in a band called the She-Devils. That was in, oh, you say band or gang? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's listed as a band. <laughs> no, there's no, that's funny. Oh, no, that was the movie and it was a girl, you know, it, you know, it's all sort of tongue-in-cheek, but it was a, band, a gang, girl uh, gang. Okay. And called um, she doubles and I played Susie Switchblade. <laughs> okay, because that that and, and Desperate Teenage Love Dolls and Love Doll Superstar, which is a Dave Markey uh, movie, which okay. apparently Quentin Tarantino really liked when he was working at a video store, you know, because he liked all the funny. Oh wow! In the ground awesome. stuff, and so he was a, he was a fan. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, who knows? That's really cool. So you may have inadvertently influenced. Quentin Tarantino. Who knows? <laughs> that would be a stretch. I have a pat on the back, but who knows? <laughs> I'm going to say you did. You don't have to say it. I'll say it. Because nobody knows who the hell I am, and they're not going to care. But So how did you get started playing with medicine? I know in between Blood on the Saddle, there is a, uh, the Ringling Sisters and the Weather Bell. Yeah. Um, I knew Brad from a while because um, I can't think I maybe we trained put on the saddle. Again, I started pretty young, so um when you start young you get a lot under your belt, right? So I was um at some point I was I think even during Blood on the Saddle, I think I was working at a record store and in the mall and Brad worked there too. Okay. And we were both valley kids. And, uh, and so we met then and he, at the time was playing in a, here's another one. Gosh, he started even younger. He, he started at 15, you know, and, yeah. um, playing in kind of avant-garde bands and a nature, Savage Republic. And, uh, so I knew of him and he knew of me and we became friends. And then, and then he, one day, a little bit later from the record store days, um, called me up and said he was, he had some songs. I wanted to know if maybe I could lend vocals. And so I went over to his apartment and he played me demo, not even demo versions, just ideas of Bruca. Uh, and so we collaborated on, on that.
a song and a few others. So um, it was first called Ruka, but then it was Aruka. Okay. And that's one of the songs that uh, I think was released as a single later on. Yeah, it's one uh, of my favorite medicine songs. Yeah, no, I, I, Brian and I, that was that was us coming together in full glory there, and uh, and it happened really organically. Really, we Brian and I worked together is really a trip. I've never been great as a collaborator. I always feel a little awkward or a little pressure or a little just not comfortable, really, you know? Okay. And, and that's just me, you know, but with Brad, it just, it just, it just, I think cause we had the same birthday, maybe. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, it just flowed back then. And it flowed, even though it was our covers this time, totally flowed, you know, for, for me. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so it came together really well back then. And, and that's how you just him picking up the phone and asking me if I wanted to sing something. But you guys never really had a chance to record a, a full album together at that time. No, because at the time I was in a, on a label, actually two bands. I was in my band, Weatherbell, and then another band called the Ringling Sisters who was recording on a major label. You and I didn't laugh like we used to. And, and it happened simultaneously. It was a very confusing time for me because it was a big deal. The Ringling Fishers, we were being produced by Lou Adler on A&M Records, so I couldn't do both. I, you know, I was committed to Ringling Fishers far longer than, you know, with medicine, it was very casual. It was very like, oh, okay, yeah, come over. Right. The Ringling Fishers, we blood, sweat, and tear it more, so I just didn't feel as committed, I guess, maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, if you put you put so much more effort into the Ringling Sisters at, at sure, that point. Sure, it's very passionate. And at the time, in the 90s, you weren't really allowed to be on two different major labels. It would have been kind of tricky and weird, kind of. Oh, yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, it would have been doable now, but then it would have been just, I don't know, I don't even know legally, it would have been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not worth the hassle. I didn't, and I didn't know really. Again, you know, I just felt like I had to honor what I started, you know, with the Ringling Sisters. So, so throughout the nineties, you were in Ringling Sisters. Yeah. You yeah. worked with Medicine, uh, the Leading Train, Three Hole Punch, and Furry yeah. Things. Mm-hmm. And so you, I mean, and and some of these these kind of the the music genres, I guess, are are a lot different from each other, like. You know, you, they really are, yeah. It yeah. really and and you didn't read, you did not mention my writing career because <laughs> okay. I I just have written actually more recently I just contributed a chapter to John Doe's More Fun in the Real World, but oh, wow. I was doing a lot of spoken word and I was on um some spoken word albums as well. So that was part of the Ringing Sisters. But yeah, they're very very different, pretty different from one another. Um, I would say the two genres were that I've been sort of consistent with is some of my, believe it or not, some of my roots here and there, <laughs> and also kind of more 60s um, pop. Now, you have to understand medicine, even though it's sort of shoegaze noise, has a lot of pop moments to it. I mean, Brad is a big, I mean, I'll let him speak on his, 
for himself, but he's a big, you know, like Beach Boys, Beatles, huge Beatles fan. Oh, yeah. So in, in there is definitely pop melodies for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so once again, you know, and there's harmonies going on, too. So believe it or not, medicine isn't that big of a stretch as far as my pop uh, 60s sensibilities at all. Not at all. Gosh, I mean, we even do a version of Sally Go Around the Roses. Not only Jeanette, but uh, Great Society, you know, Jefferson. Oh, that's right. Jefferson Airplane song, so. Yeah, yeah. And and so I, I, I would definitely want to get to the new album. I just, I got a couple four, oh, okay. other questions. And like I said, you know, I don't, we skip around a lot when I talk. It's it's well, it's very casual. Sure <laughs> so uh, in between all of this stuff, you're doing spoken words. How did, was that just a, a natural extension of being a singer for you? Hell no. Oh, okay. Spoken word is the scariest thing in the whole world. I've always written as as a writer, you know, being in a band, you write, right. hopefully. Yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I did. And and um, being in the Ringling Sisters, uh, what that started off as is a conglomerate of, of vocalists and performers and bands getting together to write and then do them at rock venues, you know? Right. And some liter- literary places like Beyond Baroque and, and stuff like that. So, and then it's, weirdly enough, we put music to it. But that, but my spoken word thing came in through the Ringling Sisters because it was an outlet. It was an outlet of a bunch of us people in band bands getting together, talking, having fun, and then writing. So okay. that was the first time I ever to ever did that spoken word, you know, uh, platform, if you will. I, I've never really did that before, and. It's the scariest thing to do live in the world. I can imagine. Like, who really wants to listen to spoken word unless you are funny or, <laughs> you know, lighting your hair on fire, whatever. Yeah, yeah doing something. <laughs> so to capture somebody, you know, it's it's tough, you know. But again, obviously, Patty Smith is a huge influence because she did it in a way that, yeah, some of her stuff is funny, but she she just is a hypnotist, you know. She yeah. she just she transforms. She is a hypnotist. And, and so it's hard, <laughs> but it's cool. If it works, it's, there's almost nothing like it. You always can tell it works when the room is quiet and there's not a lot of shifting. You start uh, hearing people, you know, getting a little bored. You're like, oh crap, this isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for comedians, stand-up comedians, that's all I can say. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my God. And but yeah, but I, but it's cool. I do it. <laughs> well, that that brings me to a question for you about the well, a couple questions actually about performing spoken word. I've heard from I've, from some comedians and comedian friends and all, and they they yeah. said that when they get their material down, they're kind of going through it, but they're also thinking ahead to mm. to the next joke or so. It, it, they're thinking ahead of of what they're actually saying at the moment. Are you, are you doing the same thing with this, with spoken word in, in case, you know, somebody's like you said, getting a little restless. Maybe you're thinking that they're not, they're not as into it as you'd like. I think you can do it easier with comedy because, um, 
you can skip over certain things. Uh-huh. With spoken word, it's a storyline, so it's it's more linear, and you have to kind of follow it, or it won't really make sense. Uh, it's not as ad lib or um, uh, you, improvisational. You yeah, exactly. Thank you. It's not as possibly you have to kind of stick to what is in front of you or it won't really make sense. Okay. That, that <laughs> um, makes sense. I mean, sure. Yeah. Here and there, you'll, I'll skip a word or two, but you kind of stick to it. What you do go by is basically as a whole, you go, God, did this piece work? Yeah. Did this piece work? Yeah. And then okay. those two, and and that's the beauty of an audience because it's the best litmus test. You did what Billy Wilder once said, you cannot um, get a better um, vibe of how a piece works is by a, a group of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. That doesn't lie. That, 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 that doesn't lie. That's just gold. So whatever, whatever's going to happen, you can do it any place, any time, but it needs to be a group of people because we're all connected, you know, yeah. human beings, uh, even with music, oh my God, even with music for sure. Uh, what's happening. And that's the beauty of life. And that's the beauty of, performance anxiety yes. it's, <laughs> when it's good it's great when it's not it's probably one of the worst things ever uh, and, and with spoken word you're up there by yourself it's, see that's that's what that, yeah no guitar exactly nowhere to no, hide no no amp to crank up <laughs> You can't, you can't go cover up mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you can't go tell Greg to go, hey, doing a little guitar solo. I'm going to go step out for a second and collect myself. Yeah. It's horribly scary. And oh. that's where I get the most performance anxiety, but but you just do it. You know, it's called the paper shakes. That would be a name, a name for something. Yeah, that would be. Paper shakes. When, so, you hear it, when you hold on, yeah. What was the impetus for you actually stepping out on stage the first time to do spoken word? What What made you really just want to go out there? And, and expose yourself in that way? I didn't really want to. I just wanted to do it because my friends were doing it in the band. Okay. You know, where I'm mean, the Ringling Sisters. Yeah. It's not that I didn't want, but it wasn't like, oh, I want to do spoken word. It was more like they invited me into the into the group. I accepted because I totally dug them as people and as musicians and artists. And part of what they did was to do live spoken word. So I did it wow. with that, with peer pressure. <laughs> And do you get uh, hooked on it? Like uh, I know a lot of a lot of people I know that that will go out and they get a, a decent response from the audience yeah, and they're hooked. I don't get hooked on it because it's, it's that performance anxiety for uh, me. I do it because I have to do it because it's how you have to get heard. Yeah. And and I do it if I'm invited on on um, several things, and I will only do it. no. It's it's that scary. I don't like. Uh-huh. I don't. Wow. Okay. Go, oh wow! I need to book myself. <laughs> <laughs> no. Whoa. <laughs> no. Oh man. no. I, and I, but you know, it's, it's not that horrible sounding. Now, I mean, I do spoken word about, uh, gosh, three times a year or four times a year. So it's not like I never do it. You know. Okay. But you're not going yeah. out like uh out like Rollins and doing a spoken word tour. No. Again, Rollins is really. Funny. I mean, he's kind of like a comedian, stand-up, if you really think about it. He really is. He's he's, he's kind of improv. He's not looking at paper. He's, yeah. he's doing it off the top of his head with stories, so he's able to improvise pretty good. And he's pretty, got, pretty good, yeah. And he's got some good stories to tell, too. He's got good stories to tell. My stuff can be funny, but it's not intentional. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes those are the best, though. <laughs> we'll, yeah. We'll go there. We'll go there. 
All right. So after after uh, not working with Brad for what, many years, twenty years uh-huh. almost or so. Many. <laughs> did you guys? Were you guys staying in touch throughout this whole time? Because you just not really. He was doing his thing, and I was doing mine. Oh wow! Not really. We just sort of, you know, life happens. Yeah. No. No. Did he? Not and, on Sunday. And so you guys have just recently collaborated on a new album. Did he reach out to you to to? Uh, we started getting in touch again through Facebook, I think. Okay. We were like messaging each other a little bit. And I think I said, hey, do you want to maybe record something? He goes, yeah. He was pretty shook up from, we both were pretty shell-shocked from the election. So there wasn't yeah. a plethora of activity coming around from either of us um, so that much. So I think we both were kind of some time and just sort of um, wanted an outlet and so um, and so this was probably a couple years ago then came over and I had some ideas real real um, just real abstract ideas and then he came up with the idea of hey let's maybe do some covers and so from there um, Matt Devine who's on guitar and a friend yeah. Between the three of us, we'd come up with different songs, and some of them worked, and some of them didn't. Obviously, the ones that are on, uh, <laughs> or the ones that you know, worked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ones but, the album worked, you know. But but we just kind of threw in ideas into a hat as we went along. Again, super organic. Again, just super casual flow. You know, recording when we could. N- no uh, real deadline really you know what i mean okay. and, and yeah. so but but it happened the recording process itself was super fast um, okay. i mean seriously the vocals are done like with with one phone off my ear you know okay. and this place it was it was very very um um simple and very organic you know well the choices of songs is very interesting i mean you've got some great stuff on there like like uh, the first Song that was released. The, one, the first song I heard from it was the Bob Welch song "Sentimental Lady." Yeah, that was Matt Devine's idea. I was- really. I was surprised. Um, that one really surprised me. It's a single of um, how it turned out. Not that I didn't think it was a weird good choice because we didn't want obvious choices. That was perfect for it, you know? Yeah. But I mean, the interpretation that medicine has done is like kind of really made it a new song. It, you know, it really has. I mean, it's, it's sort of unre- unrecognizable as, as, as a Bob Welch, you know? Yeah. Even though it was. Good. I like I like the original version for sure. Oh, it, it's funny. But again, I, to me, it sounds almost poppier in some sense. Oddly I, enough, I don't know. I love it because it was a song that I had kind of forgotten about, and I heard the medicine yeah. version. I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember this song. My parents love this yeah. song. <laughs> I yeah. remember driving around in the, the car. And, yeah, yeah. So, did you guys each bring in ideas for covers? And is there? A, yeah. Is there anything that didn't make the album that you were kind of hoping would? I can't remember. I can't remember which one didn't make it. I brought in a couple. I brought in the Codeine oh, um, yeah. song. And um, 
Side Around the Roses. I oh. think I brought in another song that didn't come up. Honestly, I cannot remember. It could have been a folk song. It could have been an idea of which we'll call it the song on, uh, oh God, what is that horror movie? Thing? It's in my time. Do, do, do. Um, to the 60s, uh, uh, something, Matt Wicker, it's in Wicker Man. Um, oh. oh, killing me. You know which one I'm talking about. I right? do, but my mind is going blank. Really pretty haunted, like, folky song. I brought that in, um, for the set Wickerman song. Whoever knows about their place, let me know. <laughs> yeah, let us. It's, you know, I'll, I'll be fully Googling it when we get off. Um, anyways, that song I brought in, it didn't, didn't make it. Um, and the other ones I can't remember that Brad are not out of, I can't remember really. I, I'll tell you, I really like that you do a monkey song and you do a Judy Sill song, which I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a One recent. Yeah, I've become a recent fan of Judy Still over the past few years. I didn't had never heard of her, and then somebody that I know posted something, and I started listening. And my favorite song I've heard about of all time is "The Donor," but no, very few people know about her. So I, I love the fact that you added a Judy Still track it, to the album. That that's a Brad, and uh, it's funny. Somebody said they thought they thought it was a country like it's interesting. Everybody's take on it. I always thought it was kind of beetly revolver sounding. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. You know what I mean? But but it's, it's awesome how everybody has their own interpretation. I yeah. love that song so much. And I remember we were recording it around the time that the rumblings of uh, Tarantino filming of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'm like, oh man, this would be the perfect song. Cause oh, wow. It's yeah. from the point of view of a woman in jail. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah, and, yeah. and it's she was in jail, so it's kind of um, kind of based on facts. Those yeah. lyrics. Um, Dead time and bones. God, you know this would be so good, so perfect, you know. <laughs> but he, Tarantino, obviously used uh, you know songs that were already recorded. Still, yeah. I just that to me that and Scar for Life, I just love love so much those two. Oh yeah, two songs that happy, yeah. And you guys do a. a- pretty faithful version of expecting to fly which i thought was great we do very pretty faithful for sure but i'm fine with that because it's just so pretty oh yeah it's so a- so pretty it was it we did record it in the summertime you know and that's about a <laughs> uh, kind of seasonal summer love you know and and it was just a, it was just a, meant a lot to me even though we did to it for pretty close it yeah the original version yeah yeah it's kind of like uh the other side of doing the Bob Welch song. He really transformed Sentimental Lady, but still keeping it recognizable, but expecting to fly is is much more faithful to, to the original. Yeah. Again, no rhyme or reason. It just I don't know why some flew in another way and this one stayed the same. I don't know. It's whatever felt right. Uh, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And- You've also gone back to playing bass for the Bangles. Mm-hmm. How did that come about again? Again, Annette's life is very nonlinear. Um, <laughs> I, uh, the, uh, a couple of friends uh, were trying to put together a reissue on Omnivore recordings called Ladies and Gentlemen of the Bangles, and that was to put together, um, uh, you know, re-release basically the EP. Right. Okay. So when that happened, they put some shows together around it, and that was Three Nights at the Whiskey with Barry's band, the Muffs included, oh. Pandora's 
um, and uh, other bands and um, Hunter Flowers. And um, anyhow, when that happened, then Susanna said, hey, would you be interested in maybe doing other shows? And I said, sure, you know, I need to learn all the songs. I, I knew, you know, the ones I recorded on the other ones. So then there was another um, project called 3 by 4 which is put out by Hepcock Records. And that was us interpreting other Paisley Underground songs by Dream Syndicate and uh-huh. or the Three Clock and then everybody exchanging song ideas, right? Okay. And and we did that. And so we did a few shows from that. We're actually going to be doing a couple more shows coming up in March with that. Oh, cool. And um, and so from that, um, again, Sue said, hey, would you want to play some, some shows? And I said, sure, and, uh, outside of those projects as, as the Bangles. So we played, we just played the Kaboo Festival in Del Mar. And then I played a few big shows in town at... Um, in Orange County at the Honda Center and then at the Microsoft and um, some places in Vancouver and on Canada. Not a lot, but some, you know, and and, and they don't really play that often. They play a handful of shows a, a year, maybe. Okay. And um, and so that's been, happened for the last couple of years, and uh, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. And, and um and also back to Blood on the Saddle, though, jumping back real quick, I forgot sure. to mention this, that just recently from Dan Motovina, a good friend, and he works in publishing, he has just uploaded a bunch of old stuff I sang on the first, second album on Spotify and iTunes, so it's streamed now. Oh, so you cool. can find some of that, and that hasn't been, you know, that hasn't been up and, and available to to the public forever. So that's wow. a big deal. Wow. Um, that's awesome. That, that just happened. That just happened um, like last week, I think. Oh, cool. Um, mm-hmm. So that's super cool. And then, yeah, and then the Bengals, though, back to the Bengals. So I've been playing. And the Kaboo, we played with Show Crow um, on the bill, and that was super amazingly fun. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. No, I mean, her band is phenomenal. I'll, I guess she's not. I guess I know she, everybody lives in Nashville. It's a big okay. place, you know, for for working musicians. It's a real happening place. Yeah, yeah. And um, and it was just so much fun. And um, and so now um, I am just kind of uh, focusing on medicine. You know, I like to try to stay busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good. Yeah. And, and probably my next project will be, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, focusing on doing actually very stripped down country stuff. Oh, recording, cool. You know, yeah. Now, Going Welsh, simple, you oh, know. That's awesome. Real, real, the real deal. It's yeah. what my, I'm. You said you're going to be recording that and re, I'm assuming to be released and then will there be any support with any touring or do you stay local? Or I do don't you... know yet. We're not there yet. I don't know about 
I mean, I will for sure. I will be touring. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the, with medicine, I know Brad says he doesn't really do tours with that kind of stuff anymore. So I guess yeah, that's yeah. basically just to, to support it. You just need to buy the album. Yeah. And or if it was something that I think would be worthwhile for Brad, he would do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I would love And or things could change with him. You know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing. If you guys could come out to the East Coast, I'd have to keep an eye on that because I'd love to see that. Never, never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I know I've kept you a good while here. Where can people follow Medicine and, and you to keep up with the, your music? And, uh, and Well, Medicine has, um, Brad is pretty good about the Medicine website and also on Facebook and Instagram and um the Bengals have tons of things out there on Spotify, on um, all platforms of media. On Twitter, is is pretty active. And um, as far as I go, there's really other than medicine, I don't really have any anything to follow at this point. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> Everybody needs to keep an eye out on on all any social media platform for what you do. Absolutely, and also. Um, I'm, 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 again, the John Doe's More Fun in the New World um, book that came out in June. Still out there. You can get that anywhere, um, awesome. Amazon or what have you, just online. And that kind of talks a lot about what we just talked about, but well, that's in the chapter. Great. They can read yeah. about it instead of hearing it now. Yeah, you can totally, <laughs> totally read it. Well, and it's on audio, too, so you can listen to oh, it tonight. See, that's, that works perfectly for me because uh, I've got a long commute to work and I get... I can, oh, there you listen while I work. Yeah, I, I love audio, the front tape. I really do. I think it's great. Oh, I, I, listen, I do audiobooks. I listen to all kinds of podcasts. It's, it's, I love oh, cool. It. Yeah, well, you're, yeah, you're with the kids. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, That's thank, awesome. I really do appreciate come, you, you coming on and spending so much time with me and telling me about... Oh, my pleasure. Thank you everything. so much. Thanks. Oh, totally my Good pleasure. Question. You did your you did your research for sure. <laughs> I tried. I tried. You did. <laughs> you did great. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 